That's my money. Now, we probably don't come out and say it like that, but we probably at one time or another have all had the same thought. And let me tell you about a guy, though, that I think said that to himself a lot. That's my money. By 23, he was a millionaire. By 50, he was a billionaire. But a short time later, just a couple of years after that, he found himself so sick that he was bedridden. He could only uh, handle crackers and water. His hair was falling out. John D. Rockefeller was incredibly sick. In fact, his doctors told him that he probably only had another year to live. He remained sick throughout that year, and towards the end of it, he had this dream. He couldn't remember a lot of the details, but he knew in the dream that the general message was that when he died, he wasn't going to be able to take all of this wealth with him. And so he called together that following day all of his attorneys and financial counselors and said, I want to give away a lot of my wealth. And they set up the Rockefeller Foundation, which over the years has done a lot of good, especially in medical research. A lot of stuff that happens today is because of their research. But here's the interesting part of the story. He should have been dead by age 53, but almost to the day that he gave all that money away, there seemed to be some kind of chemical reaction in his body and his health began to improve. And instead of dying at age 53, he lived to be 98. We were made to be generous. We were made to be generous with our money but also with our time and our attention, with our possessions, with our abilities. We were made to be generous. The greatest joy comes not from hoarding, but from giving it away. And so over these next few weeks, we're going to embark on this generosity journey. And I hope that we will discover along the way how to be more generous and how to experience that joy that God intended for our lives as we learn to give rather than to hoard. Now, there's some ways I want to invite you to be participating as we may move through this next month. There are four ways. Number one, I want to ask you to be here every Sunday during this series as we take this generosity journey, as we worship together and as I have a chance to teach about how to be generous. I hope you'll be here every week. Secondly, before you leave today, I want you to stop out at the connection point. I want you to pick up this guide, 40 Days, to a generous life. Um, there inside you'll find uh, some daily devotional thoughts, some scriptures for you to read each day, as well as some articles that will prompt your thinking about how to be more generous. We have enough of these for uh, about one per family unit. So if you'll stop out and pick one up, there are $5. Um, but if, that's, uh, if you can't afford $5, then just to give what you can. And if you can't afford anything, that's fine. We want you to have one of these. Take it as our gift and uh, spend some time every day for a few minutes, thinking about how we can be more generous. The third way I want you to participate is we're going to give you some opportunities, some hands-on practical applications throughout the month, beginning with something that we'll announce a little later this morning, ways that you can be generous to people around us. And there'll be a variety of different kinds of things, but I hope that you'll find some of those and you'll practice generosity this month. The last thing is I know that over the course of this month, as we live out this generosity journey. God is going to do some things in our lives and we want you to share those stories. And so as God does some stuff with you, I want to encourage you to send those stories to us because your story will often encourage somebody else. And so when that happens, uh, send it to stories at crosspointcape.com. If you want to write that down somewhere so that a couple of weeks from now, when God does something in your life, you'll remember where was I supposed to send that story to? Stories at crosspointcape.com.
Now, let me show you the roadmap that we're going to follow on this journey of generosity. It's found in the Bible. And so if you have your Bible today, I want you to take it out and open it up to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy is a little book in the New Testament part of your Bible, about two-thirds of the way back among a whole bunch of little books. And if you don't know where it's at, it might be easiest just to open up the table of contents, find the page number, and then flip to it. But I want you to have this open. I want you to mark it. Uh, we're going to keep coming back to it throughout our journey. Uh, but today we're going to spend quite a bit of time looking at what's written here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 17. Paul lays out a roadmap for our journey. Paul, the writer of 1 Timothy. Here's what he says, beginning in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope, or that word could also be translated trust, in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life or so that they can take hold of real life. You know what? A lot of us don't feel very secure about the future, do we? I read a startling statistic this week. In recent months, I don't know how many months exactly, there have been more people filing bankruptcy than graduating from college. You may not feel very secure about the future, but Paul says here in 1 Timothy, there is a way to have a secure future. There is a way to feel good about the future. In fact, he says there are four keys, or I'm sorry, three keys to a secure future. Here they are. Number one, you want a secure future, trust God. Number two, if you want a secure future, then do good. And third, Paul says if you want a secure future, then be generous. If you want a secure future, trust God, do good, and be generous. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Then why aren't more people doing it? I want us to discover why I think that is as we take this generosity journey. And as we discover that often we have, rather than been blessing ourselves, we have been cheating ourselves. Because rather than being generous, we have become stingy. And we haven't experienced real life like God wants us to. Look again at uh, verse 17 there. In fact, would you read the first part of this with me again? Here we go. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. Now, maybe when you read that, you see that he begins by saying, command those who are rich in this world. And you're thinking, boy, I am not rich at all. This probably doesn't have anything to do with me. Well, not so fast. You may be richer than you really think. I found a website this week called globalrichlist.com. The World Bank has put out this website and it provides you the opportunity to actually go to it. You can try that this week. You can enter your annual income and then you click a button and it actually tells you in the perspective of the whole world, where does that kind of income fit? Let me show you some examples. Uh, if you were to take somebody who works just part-time at a McDonald's restaurant or something like that and earn very minimum wage, let's say they just earned $10,400 over the period of a year, and you were to take that $10,400 and you click the button, here's where that would land. They would, make, they would be in the top 13% in the world. They would make more than 80% 
of the rest of the world. Well, what if we take what is the average per capita income for someone who lives right here in our community, according to the Cape Coral City website, that person makes about $26,758. It's just the average income here in America per capita. You put that in and you click the button and you discover that would put you in the top 9% of the world. You would be making more than 91% of the world. Now, what if we just took the average or the median household income here in Cape Coral? The median household income in our community is $56,051. And you would discover that puts you in the top 1% of the world. You would be making more money annually than 99% of the world. So in case you think, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not rich. If you think it says... For those who are rich in this world, quite likely it does include you. And even beyond that, generosity is not just a matter of income. It's a matter of attitude. So I want us to look today at these three keys to a secure future and begin to explore them a little bit. First, if I want to have a secure future, I want to learn to be generous, I've got to trust God. Look again at the last part of verse 17. It says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope or their trust in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Trust God. You know, there's an interesting thing that happened uh, towards the end of 2008. I think a lot of this happened. CBS News reported on the Internet at least that there were a wave of suicides. Now, that's not uncommon. We see different events where that uh, times when people uh, commit suicide, unfortunately. But this was not your typical group. This is not the group that if I said, hey, there were a bunch of people that committed suicide, that you would just naturally think of. This wave of suicides was among some of the wealthiest people in the world. A billionaire in Germany, a very wealthy man in London who threw himself in front of a train, and several other incidents across the globe. People who were very wealthy, but when the markets crashed and the banking industry fell apart, they lost lots of money. And it sent them into depression. And they committed suicide. You know what I can tell you about those people? They had put their trust in their wealth. But listen to what the Bible says about our wealth in Proverbs chapter 22, 23. It says, Wealth can vanish in the wink of an eye, It can seem to grow wings and fly away like an eagle. Now, as Americans, we've learned that lesson the hard way, haven't we? We have seen our wealth act as if in the wink of an eye it was gone. Like it grew wings and flew away. In fact, the Today Show in recent months had the stories of several people who had accumulated a nice savings or a retirement. They told about one young man who had $100,000 But when the markets crashed, that went down to about $3,000. They had a a 60-year-old grandmother on who had saved $48,000 to give to her grandkids towards college. My kids wish their grandparents would do that. That'd be great, wouldn't it? You know what? When the markets crashed, $1,200 all she had left. And they told story after story like that. I I know for me, when I got my year-end statement at the end of 2008 for my retirement account, which is all in mutual funds, 
In fact, I read it, I started to read it, and I said to my wife, Honey, you want to know how much money we lost this year? She said, No. I don't want to know to this day. I've never told her. I'm not going to tell you either. Too bad, right? But let me tell you this. For us, it was a very significant amount of money. It was as if it grew wings and flew away like an eagle. It was gone in the wink of an eye. We can't put our trust in our wealth. We have to put our trust in God. Who says to us, I will give them everything for their enjoyment. You know one of the lies that Satan tells? One of the great lies? He convinces us that when we trust God, when we follow God, that we take this sort of vow of poverty that suddenly life is miserable and it's no fun at all. But you know what? That's simply not true. In fact, the Bible says that when I trust God with my wealth, He blesses me. He provides for me. If I will really trust Him. You know, the question comes down to this. Am I living a God-sized life? Or am I living a money-sized life? Have I put my trust in God? Or have I put my trust in my wealth? Jeremiah would warn us this way in the Bible. It says in Jeremiah 9, this is what the Lord says, Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength. And then it says this, Or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and knows me. Jeremiah says, don't boast about your wealth. It's not worth boasting about. You boast about the fact that you know God. And you have placed your trust not in your wealth, which can be gone in the wink of an eye, but you have put your trust in God, who will always be the same. Paul says, you want to Move towards generosity. You want to have a secure future? Trust God. Secondly, He would tell us to do good. Look at the first part of verse 18. It says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. You know what? We have all been called to do good. We have been called to do good by God. Somebody has suggested that if you were to take the population of the world, and statistically reduce it to a global village of about 100 people, then the following statistics would be true. And today in this room, there are probably right around 100 people. So right in this room, if this room, 100 of us or a little more, represented the entire world in population, here's what would be true about us. 70 of us would not be able to read. There would be only one of us with a college education. Fifty of us would suffer from malnutrition. We wouldn't have a good diet, not good food available to us. Eighty of us would live in a home that really was substandard, very poor housing. And six of us, six of us, would control more than half of the wealth of the entire village. Six of us. As Americans, those six people represent us for the most part. We have been blessed abundantly. But God's intention was not to bless us so that we could just enjoy it for ourselves. God's intention was He wanted to bless us not only for our enjoyment, but so that we could do good for others. 
Do you remember the story in August about uh, the UPS driver here in the Cape who um, wasn't exactly delivering all of the packages to the rightful owners? He was delivering some of the packages to his home and selling them on eBay. He was also having garage sales. In fact, the neighbors around him said, you know, we noticed they have an unusually high number of garage sales and they always seem to have such nice things at their garage sales. You know, somewhere along the way, that UPS driver lost sight of the fact that he had been given a responsibility to deliver those packages to their rightful owner. They didn't belong to him. How often do we think, my money, my house, my car, my clothes, my food. You know what? When we do, we are just as deceived as the UPS driver. It's not mine. The Bible clearly says it's God's. And He has simply trusted me to be the delivery driver. He's trusted me to be a pipeline of grace into the lives of other people. It's not mine. It's God's. Have you ever thought how easy it is to give away somebody else's stuff? I mean, you know, if it's not mine, it's pretty easy to let go of it and give it away to somebody else, isn't it? There is nothing that actually belongs to me. I am always having the opportunity to give God's stuff away. It's His. It's not mine. And He has given it to me so that I can do good for others beyond my own enjoyment. In fact, I guess you could say it something like this. God would desire that we would do as much good as we can for as many people as we can in as many ways as we can as often as we can. If we want to learn to be generous, if we want to have a secure future, we've got to trust God. We've got to do good. And third, we need to be generous. Listen to the rest of verse 18 which says, and to be generous and willing to share. We are not called to take a vow of poverty when we become a Christ follower. In reality, we are called to take a vow of generosity. But you know what? I heard some... uh, kind of startling reports this week. I read a report this week that said that if you go back to the era of the Great Depression, Christians who were living in the Great Depression gave a higher percentage of their income than Christians who live today in our prosperous culture. I also heard this. I heard that if you were to take Christians in churches all across America, every one of them, and you were to put all of them on welfare, and they were to tithe what they, the income they received from welfare. They were to give 10% of what they received from welfare. The giving in American churches would double. Now why is that? And I know this is where it gets difficult. This is where it gets uncomfortable for us. Why is that? Because I don't think we really understand generosity. You know what the Bible says about generosity? That Greek word used right here in 1 Timothy for being generous. The word generous in the Greek language actually means to prosper with giving or to prosper by giving. Now, I know it doesn't fit in our economy the way we think about things, but in God's economy, you know what He's actually teaching? He's teaching that we actually gain by giving. We actually prosper by giving. 
I know that's upside down to our normal thinking, isn't it? But that's the way God's economy works. In fact, the Bible says it very clearly in several places, including these two. In Proverbs 22, verse 9, it says, straightforward, a generous man will be blessed. And then I love it what it says in Proverbs 11:24. It says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So we have to ask ourselves, which world are we living in? Are we living in a world that's getting larger and larger because we've understood generosity? Or do we live in a world that's getting smaller and smaller because we're stingy? Paul says you want a secure future? Trust God, do good, and learn to be generous. And then you know what he says to wrap these verses up? He says someone who does that, they will take hold of real Life. Real life. You want to live life? Really live life? You want to live life like God designed us to live life? Then it involves learning to be generous and doing good to others. And as we do, that's when we take hold of real life. A lot of you know I uh, was at the Catalyst Conference in Atlanta uh, several weeks ago now, beginning of the month of October. And uh, it was an incredible conference, but there was one moment that I will probably never forget. It was just kind of the moment. They introduced us to Jimmy Wambula. I think he was from Africa. I don't remember for sure. But when Jimmy was growing up as a young child, he lived in deep poverty incredibly impoverished, very dysfunctional family. His mother had died. Just horrible conditions. And his life was headed nowhere good. But through the generosity of a man who I think lived in Chicago, and I don't remember his name, to be honest, this man, through Compassion International, adopted Jimmy and became his sponsor. And through his own generosity, $35 a month, he provided food and clothing and the necessities for Jimmy. And through the generosity of this man in America and through the Ministry of Compassion International, not only did Jimmy receive those necessities, but he discovered Jesus Christ. And Jesus became his Savior and totally changed the direction of his life. Today, Jimmy is studying at Moody Bible College in Chicago to become a pastor and ultimately to go back to his homeland and tell other people the story of Jesus. All of that has happened because one man decided He would be generous and that He would do good for others. Well, as they wrapped up interviewing Jimmy at Catalyst Conference, they said to him, Jimmy, have you ever met your sponsor? Jimmy said, no. They said, would you like to meet him right now? And it was kind of one of those Oprah-like moments, you know. But here came his sponsor across the stage. And these two grown men embraced each other like they were long-lost friends. Jimmy was so overwhelmed by the chance to meet this man who had been so generous to him that he actually just collapsed to his knees and cried uncontrollably for several minutes. It was an incredible moment. But I have to tell you this morning, that's real life. That's the kind of life that God wired us up to live. That's the kind of life that God designed us for. But it only happens when we will learn to trust God, to do good, and to be generous. And over these next several weeks, we're going to talk more about what it means to really trust God. We're going to talk about what it means to practically live out doing good 
to others. And we're going to talk about how to grow in learning to be generous. Because as we do, we can also take hold of real life. But it comes down to this. It comes down to this. It comes down to do I really trust God? And do I recognize in my life that God is my King and not my money? And that's my king.